Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toff. So I, I was out running some errands, Lindsay, and I was wearing a Box of Oddities t-shirt, and somebody came up to me and said, uh, do you listen to the Box of Oddities? And I said, yeah, well, not as much as I used to. Um, and uh, I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm JG. And, and she said, I listen to the shallow end all the time now, too, and I really, really enjoy it. And then she goes on to share this embarrassing moment. Okay. Her shallow end moment with me. She was at a grocery store, and there was this weird-looking guy that was staring at her. He kept looking at her, and she was getting a little creeped out. So sure. she started going to the back of the store and went over to the next aisle. And as she did, he was in the aisle waiting for her. And so she retreats again, and he starts following her, and she's getting kind of creeped out. Yeah, I don't blame her. And he starts picking up speed who's almost trotting after her. And this goes on up and down the aisle until finally she gets the nerve to turn around and say, what do you want? And the creepy guy said, um, I just wanted to know if I could have my shopping cart back. (laughs) (laughs) That is a classic shallow end moment. Mm -hmm. That is a shallow end moment. Yeah. But you know what? You always should assume the worst when it comes to stuff like this. You know, otherwise you could end up dead in the parking lot. Listen to your uh, listen to your inner voice. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And double check to make sure it's your cart. Do you ever look in other people's carts? All the time. And try to get an idea of what kind of life they lead? Yeah. You know, you see yeah. like like a can of glow coat and some preparation <laughs> H. <laughs> it's funny you say that because just yesterday I was I left the gym and I had three different stops, post office, Trader Joe's, and then the regular uh, grocery store, mm-hmm. Ralph's. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I needed at Ralph's, because I'd been there the day before, was... A bottle of Drano and a bag of pretzels. <laughs> and I thought, this is an odd combination of things to pick up. Drano and pretzels. And I wonder if people were judging you. I um, felt judged. I felt like people were, were thinking, how are you going to combine these? You're like an alchemist. I like the way you think. <laughs> You've taken something very odd and spun it into gold. Well, I don't know if it's gold. <laughs> but it sure is shiny. I think it's your turn to go first this week. Oh, Lynn. all right. I love that about myself. I do too, and have for some time. You remember the uh, the 1983 movie A Christmas Story? Oh, with uh, Darren McGavin, Peter Billingsley. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Billingsley. And, uh, yeah. 
What's interesting um, is that, and, and I didn't realize when it happened at the time, but just last month, HBO Max premiered a sequel to that film called A Christmas Story Christmas. Yeah, I'd heard about that. Now, of course, that 1983 film was filmed in, in Cleveland. And you remember that um, that scene where the dad is uh, unwrapping that uh, that lamp? Fragile. Made, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> made from the mannequin's leg and mispr- mispronounces fragile on the yep. label. And yep. Must be Italian, he says. Loved it. So this, this sequel follows uh, Ralphie, who's now an adult, and he returns to that house on Cleveland Street. But now he's the dad, and he wants to give his kids the kind of Christmas that, that he had. And he cre- reconnects with childhood friends and, and reconciles the passing of his father. But unlike the original, this sequel was not filmed in Cleveland, but rather, and I'm not sure why, Hungary, huh. which is which I, I didn't know until I was researching this story. But uh, that actual house that, that was in Cleveland and used in the original film in 1983 is still there, and it's located on West 11th Street in the Tremont neighborhood, and it's now home to a museum Oh wow! Uh, about, about the film. And the guy who owns that, a guy named Brian Jones, who was just obsessed with that film as a kid, ended up buying the house, and he's looking to sell it. And it's it's a 1.3-acre package. It's it's a museum. It's a gift shop. There's a rental par- property, a parking lot for the museum and the gift shop employees, and even the, the neighboring home of Ralphie's neighbors. Remember the Bumpuses? Oh, and the, yes. the dog wrecking, <laughs> wrecking at Christmas lunch? <laughs> so... The the sequel premiered last month, uh, November 17th, 2022, one day before that 39th anniversary of the film's original release date. So this is all leading up. You're, you're thinking, I, I can hear J.G. thinking, get get to the shallow end part of this, Lens. <laughs> the, probably the best known scene in that film, at least to me, is when Flick is at in the schoolyard and he gets dared to put his tongue on the frozen flagpole. Wouldn't you say that's... Ah, yes. That's probably the most iconic moment in that film. Yep. And that is a big problem in in colder temperature, colder climates. And I remember growing up in northern Maine, they would make announcements at the school. They would say, hey, it's almost recess time. Remember, don't lick the swing set. (laughs) This is the beauty of growing up in Tucson, Arizona, <laughs> where there was never an announcement made like that because, you know, it just it just so wasn't an issue. It's just amazing to me that that you went to a school where where that was an issue. It was an issue. And they in the school that I went to, this was like first second grade. I was really young, long before I moved to to Tucson. The schools were were old school buildings. They were built like they were like Dickensian era sure you know buildings sure. <laughs> built in the 1800s they were built in the 1800s and really steep roofs yeah and of course it snows a lot in maine right and ice build up and stuff and so these giant huge sheets of ice would periodically launch off the side of the school oh my god and it happened like constantly and i'm talking sheets of ice like a foot thick and six feet holy cow 
And their method of uh, preventing children from from getting hurt was to remind us, hey, don't get too close to the building. <laughs> and and don't lick the swing set. Just do these two things and you'll be fine. So all of this is leading up to what's probably the best known scene in that in that film where Flick gets triple dog dared to put his tongue on the frozen flagpole. And of Mm. course he does it. Now Mm. here's where the shallow end moment comes in. And it's interesting to me that you said that this was an issue for, for you. It was because this is actually uh, a story that, that came to me from uh, my, my brother-in-law, Rick Johnson, who lives in Minnesota. And in December of 2019, uh, a student at Roseville, a Roseville, Minnesota elementary school decided (laughs) that, that he was going to try this to stick his tongue onto a, a frozen flagpole. And we don't actually, we don't know his name, but we know that indeed his tongue got stuck oh, yeah. to the pole. Yeah. And that happened to a kid one time uh, in first grade. I remember that happening and nobody knew it. Nobody, the, the recess bell rang and we all went back to class and his desk was empty. <laughs> Teacher's like, where's Frankie? We all looked out the window and he's standing and out there. There he was. Yep. <laughs> Adhered to the swing set. They had to go out with well, a warm washcloth and uh, peel him away. Well, this this kid experienced that exact thing. He panicked oh. when he realized he couldn't immediately pull his, his tongue free from the pole. And the mm. principal, Jen Wilson, this is at Emmett D. Williams Elementary School in uh in roseville minnesota she said you know you see the movie and the kids screaming and crying and stuck well that's exactly what it looked like here they're trying to talk and cry and (laughs) scream at the same time Uh because yeah it kind of hurts and it's scary and it's scary so everybody understands okay that happened that's that's a really bad idea and then it happened again another kid tried it no just days later same thing and then it happened again. No, it didn't. And then it happened again. It did not. And in fact, it happened six times. What? And it got to the point where some of the kids had ripped their t- tongues away themselves. One even went back to the pole the next day to, to, to look for parts of his tongue. No. But no. It, got, it got so bad that uh, just, just like you were describing, the principal debated well should i do an announcement on the intercom but then she decided she was just going to email the the teachers Uh uh-huh so she did and said you know for some reason this is this is turning into a thing (laughs) it's an epidemic please tell your students not not to do this but it continued and it got to the point where she started sending teachers out with bottles of hot water. They would take hot they, water bottles, put them in the microwave, and any time a teacher was outside where they were, say, ushering you know, students like to, to the school bus or greeting them in the morning or out for recess, playing on the playground, they would always have teachers standing by with hot water bottles. Oh, my God. Because apparently the, the temptation was just too much. And even though these kids had heard these stories about how much it hurts and you could go up to the flagpole and see part of a kid's tongue still stuck to it, they thought, well, maybe it won't happen to me. Uh But it turned into an epidemic. And the the paramedics at at Hennepin County, a guy named Mike LeVake, deputy chief of special operations, said the remedy is simple. Just use warm water. And the tongue will come 
right off the right off the frozen flagpole. But he says you'd be amazed at the stuff we get called out on. It's and and, and he even admitted he said it's tough not to fall for it if somebody triple dog dares you. Sure, it's like you know it's like one of those um, online TikTok challenges. It's the flagpole challenge in this the case. The flagpole challenge. So the St. Paul Public Schools spokesman, a guy named Kevin Burns, said that so far there hasn't been any recent repeats of this but he understands the curiosity and he said i gotta tell you as a youngster i did that i actually put my tongue on a metal (laughs) shelf in my parents freezer that curiosity was satisfied immediately immediately (laughs) when i jerked my head back from the shelf and i left part of it for everyone to see (laughs) perfectly preserved for future generations Got this from NBC News and the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And thanks to my brother-in-law, Rick, for uh, turning me on to this. Uh, uh, clearly, this was this is still an issue. And the fact that, that you grew up getting an announcement <laughs> to tell you not to do this is just... It's just amazing to me. Well, it's uh, it, it takes me back. It, it really does. And how this is in northern Maine, so we didn't even have hospitals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was pretty much folk remedy, folk medicine that we uh, we had to uh, yeah. had to employ. And so the, your school used the uh, the warm washcloth, yep. warm washcloth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only saw it happen once. And that's how they did it with a uh, with a warm washcloth or a hot washcloth or something. God, like that, that would have scared the hell out of me. Yeah, well, a kid he lost a, a good part of the top of his tongue and took him most of the well the rest of the year school year to to talk, talk normally. normally. Yeah, I was all right. This all the time. <laughs> you might remember me. I'm the one that put my tongue on the flagpole. I remember them asking him why he did it, and he said, "I wanted a cool drink." <laughs> Those were weird times, Linz. Talk about how old the school was. It was retired soon after I went to school there. But... uh, The building itself, you mean? Yeah, the building itself. The building was very Victorian design, and there was a room where you would keep your coats and lunch boxes and stuff, and they still called it the cloak room. Wow. From back when the school was new and kids wore cloaks. Cloaks. And from year to year, they would uh, just pass it on to the next class. It was the cloak room. Yeah, go put it in the cloak room. That's wild. That's how That's old really I, cool. I can't remember if I, if I told you this or, or we talked about it on Box, but uh, all of the bathrooms in these old school buildings were in the basement. And so when you needed to use the bathroom, you'd raise your hand and say, may I go to the basement? And years went by. We were in this brand new high school building, one level, one floor, brand new building. And people would still raise their hand and say, can I go to the basement? Can I go to the basement? And I'll bet you they still do today. I bet they do. Cool history. A few trips ago when I went to Tucson, I went in, to, uh, did, a, did a tour through my old grade school. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the principal took me around. And it was like walking on the moon. It was so <laughs> surreal. Did it seem much smaller to you? That's, than... that's what amazed me. <laughs> when I think of that school that I went to, um, and now reminiscing on this, it's kind of brought it, brought it to mind. In the wintertime, we wore those like galoshes that you'd have to put over your regular shoes and zip up the front. 
Well, you're from Tucson. You've probably never heard. I've the seen word. them in films. Galasha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seen them in films. So I'm um, in a history book once. Go sometimes on. it's hard to get your shoe in that boot, and so it was a very uh, it was a common hack, if you will, in those days, <laughs> to uh, put your shoe and your foot inside a, a, an empty bread bag, and then put it inside the boot because it would slide in, right? Sure. And so, good hack. So at the end of the school, uh, the winter period, the entire floor of the cloakroom was covered in old bread bags. <laughs> I've never said that sentence. That's wild. I yep. can just picture that. Mm. It was northern Maine. We had to be resourceful. So wonder you made it out alive. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. You wash your car, what, once a week? Maybe every other week? And it's, you know, pretty clean, right? But what if you could get your car cleaner than you ever imagined? Welcome to Holy Water Car Wash. We not only feature professional-grade soft brushes, soap, and hot ceramic car wax, but we're the only car wash in town that uses real holy water to rinse it all off. Blessed by a real priest, our holy water not only rinses your car to a beautiful shine, but it protects you and your car from accidents, because holy water protects you from harm wherever you go, and it rids your car of sin, because it's, you know, holy. Holy Water Car Wash, just off Interstate 4 in Orlando. Holy Water Car Wash. We'll wash the hell out of your car. We're promoting your self-esteem through other people's stupidity. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We have been getting tons of emails. This is one from uh, Jesse, who writes, uh, Hello, Lindsay, JG, and Kat. I've been listening to The Shallow End and Box of Oddities pretty much nonstop over the past few weeks. I just caught up on the most recent episode. I was sad to hear that the bricklayer's tale ended up being false <laughs> because I've never cackled so hard at a story before. It was just too good to be true. Anyway, you guys have become clearly ingrained in my subconscious because I had a dream last night after hearing the episode in which Kat talked about you all getting a house together. In my dream, you decided to move forward with that plan, but the house you wanted ended up not being available because the housing market is a mess right now. The only place you were able to get was an unfortunately run-down <laughs> pink house hmm. that you affectionately nicknamed the house with the stairs. Not because it had <laughs> stairs on the inside, it was a one-level house, but because of an ominous set of stairs leading up to the front door on the outside. Now, not long after moving in, you discovered that the house was, in fact, haunted by a couple of guys who had died in that house. However, only Cat could see the ghosts. Well, that's ironic. While J JG and Lindsay could only hear slash witness the ghosts' antics, opening oh. doors, turning on lights, etc. The weirdest thing was that whenever any of you opened the freezer, very loud music would start to play from within it. All in all, you took the haunting quite well. JG and Lindsay thought it was hilarious to open the freezer and blast the loud music and party with the ghosts anytime Cat was trying to get things done. I love partying with ghosts. Don't know if that makes you more or less excited to potentially all live together, but partying with freezer ghosts sure sounds like a good time to me. I love your podcast so much, it makes me happy to know that I'm not the only dum-dum out there. Keep it up. And let's all make a collective effort to swim to the deep end. Best, Jesse. Partying with freezer ghosts. Partying with freezer ghosts. If that doesn't become a t-shirt, I don't know what would. Well, I think it's definitely in contention for title of this episode. I think she just decided it for us. Thanks. Another one from uh, Lenora. 
who writes, Hey guys, my name's Lenora, uh, and like the subject suggests, the subject line was trucking and loving it. I'm a truck driver. I've been driving an average of 600 miles a day until my hours run out, of course, between Arizona and Nevada, hauling clay for the most part of three months, and the boredom's almost more than I can bear. My lovely daughter, Nicole, is a huge Box of Oddities fan. She suggested I try your new podcast, The Shallow End. I also listen to the Box of Oddities, but can't seem to find a way to listen sequentially. So I have to fiddle with my phone at the end of each episode to get an earlier episode, and sometimes that's just not safe. Luckily, I started your podcast shallow end at the beginning and i'm constantly cracking up as i'm driving at the very least smiling ear to ear i sent my daughter a message stating this is exactly what i needed now i'm on my way home to california i'm only on episode 12 so i got my whole trip covered and looking forward to every mile thanks to you guys by the way i love the way cat gets to chime in whenever she likes you all are hilarious thank you so much for all you do sincerely lenora thanks thank lenora. You, lenora that's great really appreciate and that i've noticed we've been getting a um, a rather large volume of emails from from professional truckers which makes sense it does it does buzz on the street is jg that you've got a story for us well you know it's funny that you you say that because i do in fact have a story i'm so relieved to hear you say actually Linz, i haven't prepared a thing no no goodbye everybody good night um <laughs> you know we've talked about this in the past about if you want to rob somebody or a business, pick a business, pick the right kind of business to rob. This is very important. Yeah. You had a story, Lindsay, about a guy who tried to rob a gun store. With a police car parked in front. Right. Yeah. That yeah. was just a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. It's also important to choose a business that's actually going to have some money in it. Again, if, if we were to make a list of suggestions, yeah. that, would be, that would be right up there. Yeah. You, you want your burglary to pay off if you're going to hold up a business at gunpoint it really should be worth the risk but for some reason back in 2008 a would-be burglar who i'm assuming looked at all the various businesses as robbery options and decided that the sweetest target would be velasquez mufflers for less shop Well, isn't it common knowledge, JG, that muffler shops are usually just a minefield of cash? Yeah, they're flush with currency. Yeah. So this guy, uh, his name was Ruben. He was 18 years old at the time, and uh, he wanted to get into the business of criming. So he chose Velasquez mufflers for less as his target. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if it was just because it was close by and he didn't have a ride or what, but for whatever reason, he, uh, he planned to rob the muffler shop. So on March 24th, he walked into said muffler shop, which, by the way, is located in Chicago, in Illinois. It was just after 8 o'clock in the morning, and the shop had just opened for business. Now, in this case, Ruben wore a mask, which, that's that's a good start. We've done okay. all kinds of stories where people have done stupid things like splashing lemon juice on their face <laughs> because they thought it would make their face invisible, and they didn't need a mask. And that didn't end well. Wearing the mask actually sounds like the first smart thing that that <laughs> Ruben has decided on this day. But go on. Yeah, I actually came across another story where two guys were going to rob a bank. Instead of wearing a mask, they colored on their face with permanent markers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a reason why the word permanent is included in the title. Yeah. So it's ironic the attempt on the, on their part to disguise their identity actually assisted police in, in finding them. 
But not Ruben. Sounds like a Sharpie decision, no, if you ask yeah. me. Hmm. So Ruben wore a mask. Good move. Good boy, Ruben. Yeah, but he also carried a gun, and, you know, that kind of ups the, uh, that, that turns the heat up quite a bit. Sure it does. So it's a little after 8 o'clock in the morning, and he wanders into the Velasquez Mufflers for Less, waving his gun around and demanding money. He wanted all of their money. Of course he did. But because it was opening time, it was early in the day, there wasn't a lot of cash in the cash register. That was my first thought when you said he decided to rob them just as they opened, that there probably wouldn't be a lot of cash there. Yeah. Well, you're going to see a pattern here (laughs) um, that... uh, Ruben is consistent with his good decision making. Once he, he made that good decision to put a mask on, all subsequent decisions weren't quite as good. But the person behind the desk complied with uh, Ruben's demands, and he popped open the cash register drawer and handed Ruben like $7 or something, just (laughs) a small amount of money. Ruben was extremely disappointed. Yeah. So he said, hey, don't you guys have a safe or something? And the employee said, yeah, yeah, we got a safe. We, We do, in fact, have a safe. Show me the safe. So they go back to the office where the safe was. Uh huh. Guy says, here's the safe. Ruben says, open it. Guy says, can't. I don't know what the combination is. Well, who who does? Well, the only person that knows the combination is the owner of the store. And um, he won't be in right away. He's not here now. We don't know if he's coming in later today or some days he doesn't even come in. We don't know if he's going to be here or not. Don't tell me Ruben decided to wait. Well, Ruben thought he considered that. He's, he thought, well, I could wait. I've got the time. I could just take a seat in the waiting room and... With my gun? Yeah, with my, my gun, mask. my mask, watch the view on uh, on the television, <laughs> and wait and see if the owner shows up. And if he does, I'll have him open the safe and I'll be on my way with large sums of cash. Better than the $7 I got from the register. But then I imagine he quickly realized that this would be foolish. Plus, he didn't want to sit around and wait in a muffler shop. That's boring. <laughs> in Chicago? At the same time, he wasn't prepared to walk away nearly empty-handed. He'd put a lot of effort into the robbery, what with the mask and the gun and everything. So he came up with what he felt was a better idea. He would just leave his contact information with the cashier, and uh, when, <laughs> when the owner showed up, just give me a call. Just give me a call, and I'll come. I'll come back and rob your safe. <laughs> so, so he writes down not one but two phone numbers: his landline oh, and his cell phone. Ruben, and and leaves it with the guy behind the counter. Says, "Yeah, uh, when the owner gets here, just give me a call, and I'll scoot right on over and rob you." Now, Jiminy Christmas. I wonder what he was doing while he was waiting for this call, though. Did he just go out and run a few errands, you know? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> maybe maybe get his car washed. Yeah, he did have $7 that yep. he didn't have before, so maybe that's probably burning a hole in his pocket. Swing by the mask store and see what the latest robbery fashion is. <laughs> I don't know. Well, about an hour later, sure enough, his cell phone rang, and the guy at the front desk was on the other end and told Ruben the owner had just showed up and was waiting to open the safe for him. So he goes back to the muffler shop. Of course he does. There's a man there identified himself as the owner, and uh, there were a couple of other people standing around looking like Uh customers. Uh They, of course, were plainclothes police officers. Everyone acts surprised. Not knowing this. 
And surprisingly, not suspecting it, he, he walked back into the service area where the owner was and pulled the gun out of his sweatshirt. Now, once he did this, police officer pulled a gun and shot him in the leg. <laughs> Needless to say, they never got around to opening the safe. Uh-huh. And it was later revealed that there was nothing in it anyway. Mm-hmm. Reuben was charged the very next day with attempted robbery and an aggravated assault of a police officer. That's definitely one of the entries that I would have wow. to submit for the dumbest criminal ever. Wow. Although I did find this, this one, too. This is, this is right up there as well. This happened in Omaha, Nebraska. A woman standing in a parking lot at a local business, and it was early in the morning. She'd just uh, stopped off on her way to taking her 13-year-old son to school and dropping him off. Well, she's in the parking lot, and uh, she was approached by a local 17-year-old boy waving a gun, and he demanded that she give him her car. Bad life decisions. Yeah. Not wanting to escalate the situation, she and her son got out of the car, and the 17-year-old carjacker jumped in it. The problem was that the car was a manual transmission. The kid didn't know how to drive a stick. (laughs) Witnesses say he sat in the car fumbling around for several minutes and they stood there and watched as the windshield wipers came on and off and the lights (laughs) flashed. He was able to manage to move the car a few yards uh, after several minutes, but by then witnesses had had called 911 and (laughs) police arrived just as he was trying to make his getaway on foot. He was quickly caught charged with attempted car theft. I love that. God. This is why it's important to know how to drive a uh, manual transmission. Yeah, case. you should always. It's it should even be. if you're not planning on carjacking. It's just it's a it's a it's a good skill to have. I would agree with you, sir. My source information uh, was the New York Daily Post, New York Daily Post, How Stuff Works, and CBS News. <laughs> Some dumbass. Here's to you, Ruben. <laughs> Stupid jerk. Some dumbass crooks for you, right there. Oh, God, that's priceless. When you were talking about people uh, using permanent markers to cover their faces, (laughs) it reminded me of a story I came across a few days ago when I was looking for material, and it was two kids who had tried to rob a store, and they they cut a watermelon in half and hollowed it out and put... Put uh, these little. They made face masks out of, these out of watermelon. watermelons. Wow, <laughs> with little holes so they could at least see where they were walking. Well, at least they thought of the the eye hole angle. Yeah, yeah, not total idiots. I think that would be terrifying. I think there's maybe some merit to the watermelon mask idea because it would scare the shit out of me if I saw someone. It is kind of, it is kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, my initial reaction was, "Ooh, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that." Make. Make the watermelon man go away. <laughs> oh, there's another potential title. Wow. <laughs> Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We invite you to send story ideas, comments, anything at all. If you want to actually share one of your shallow end moments, whether it's you or, quote, a friend, feel free to record it on your, on your mobile device and email it to us and... Uh, there's a good chance we'll feature that in an upcoming episode. Absolutely. We love you guys hanging out with us. Thank you, swimmers. We'll see you next time. Make good choices. Your life may depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. 
We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine, and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go.